Hello everyone and welcome back to Shelter Island, the podcast where we shoot the shit and compare the lives of a Brits and a Yankee. And for this week, one of my old friends and possibly a soon-to-be future world-famous football commentator. So that's my famous words on that one. But before that, I'm joined by my mate from across the pond, Jack Heimowitz. And Jack, what on earth are you doing? Because we, we set this up and you're stranded at a beach. <laughs> So uh, me and my friends decided to take a nice beach day today. Um, and we ended up stranded here. So of course, <laughs> I, I came prepared. I still have my laptop and I still have my mic, but uh, I'm currently huddled into one of the shelters at the beach and I'm doing my podcast from the beach. So uh, okay. it's, a, it's a nice change of scenery, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be fun for me to edit. Sounds like you're from the Grand Canyon at the moment with all that echo. But uh, this week, I am joined by my good old friend Bradley. How Brad? How we doing, my man? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very jealous of, of Jack when he's saying stranded on a beach. <laughs> in, in England, you don't. If you get stranded on a beach, it seems not a really good outcome. Uh, so, uh, no, I'm, I'm well, thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to be on. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it's good to have you on, Brad. It's been a bit of a while, but um, we always cast our minds back. And of course, normally on a podcast, on this one, we always talk about uh, travel memories or camp. But for this time, we're going to go with more of a uni vibe. Of course, I met you at university, Brad. So what was it like, you know, just uni experience for you? The uni, yeah, the uni experience. It was, uh, yeah, I'd always, I'd always thought about wanting to go to university straight from an early age. It wasn't very much in terms of going off and doing an apprenticeship or going off and straight to work. I always thought I wanted to go to uni and it was just a case of actually finding something I wanted to do at uni, really. I'd, I wasn't too sure what to do. And it was only because I stumbled on doing hospital radio whilst I was at, still at, at school that I decided to go and do broadcast journalism. And it was great. Nottingham, I went to Nottingham Trent and uh, I met some amazing people like yourself. And the course was, uh, you know, learn a lot from the course. And the city was great, you know, the social side of it and the experiences you got from living there, it was, it was great. Um, and, you know, some of the stories and some of the memories I'll have from those three years of being at university, <laughs> I, I, honestly, I will live, will, will live for me uh, forever. You know, it was, uh, what a three years. And uh, I think now, certainly in the last year of, of course, you know, being in the midst of the pandemic, it's uh, it's something that I would have uh, I'll cherish to, I'd love to be able to be back there right now. Uh, not saying that I don't love my family, but <laughs> you know, uh, I, would, uh, I would love to be, uh, yeah, I'd love to be back at uni. I remember, especially important with you, mate, because we were like, I know it's cliche and everyone always say, oh, they were day ones, but genuinely we were day ones. Like, Yeah, I, I, actually, I remember the first time I met you. Oh, was, God, what was that yeah, like? We were in, no, no, it was great. I mean, the, uh, the, it was in one of the computer rooms and I had, a, I had a spare seat next to me and you were, I think you were the last person in the room. <laughs> that sounds like me. <laughs> and uh, and he just... Um, you sat next to me, and of, of course, for me, the only the only thing that I could sort of start a conversation with, I just go, "Do you like football?" <laughs> I just, I just gambled basically, and just uh, sort of prayed that you liked football. And uh, of course, then he went, "Oh, I'm a Liverpool fan." I was like, "All oh, right, okay, good start, good start." And uh, and then hit it off ever since. So. I I, I want to know what your first impression was of Pee Wee Mason. <laughs> <laughs> what my first impression was of Mason. He uh, energetic, I'd say. Loved it. Loved to chat, which I did well. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, we just hit it off straight away, didn't we? Really, we just—it was so easy. I think we were just so both sort of like-minded, and just had this, you know, just it was just easy to get on with each other. Um, but honest, honestly, I mean, I know Jackie probably expected me to say something, maybe a little bit, you know, a bit of dirt on Mason, but I, I don't know anything. I really don't. You, you know, it's, uh, he was, uh, yeah, you're being it's, nice. It's a pleasure to get to you're, know be, you're being too humble. <laughs> well, I, 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 <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, I think Mason will testify. I'm not trying to brag about myself. But I, honestly, I cannot. It's not just a thing in my a bone in my body. I cannot be nasty about anyone. I just can't. <laughs> to be fair, Heimer, I'd actually say Brad is genuinely the nicest person on planet Earth. 
<laughs> like I'm, I'm not even exaggerating that. Like, like I said, he's not got a bad bone in his body. Like the, I think the, the, the groups eventually expanded, didn't it? It kind of went from like a good, like three or four of us. I don't know if it was the same for you at uni high but, uh, yeah. and then all of a sudden it got to like a massive group of like 16, 17 of us lads, like within the second year and we just always go out together and everything like that. It was, it was mad. Like, but we, yeah, cause we, we had our society, which is like related to our cause. It's massive. But like you, Jaime, you had like, you have frats and stuff like that. Like that's <laughs> like, yeah, how does all that work? I've always been interested to see how, I've, honestly, I don't know how all the frat stuff all works. That's so it's kind of the same thing as societies. I mean, you, you kind of like, I guess, try out for it. And then when you find people that you like and you vibe with you, they end up being your best friends for life. And, uh, I, I just graduated with, uh, like 20 other kids that I can call my brothers and, uh, I'll like, I, we just hang out every day and it's, it's, it's awesome. You become like your own little group that you go out with and you do everything with. So it's kind of awesome. Um, and it's, it's, I, I, I've made a lot of like friends, not even from my fraternity, but like of their friends and their friends and like their girlfriends and things like that. Um, so we like form our own little group just from that. It's interesting you say that Jack, cause I, I you know, I was, I was thinking that, you know, I know quite a lot of people who don't have the big friendship group that we had at uni. It's, it was it was quite incredible, wasn't it, really, Mace? I don't know what you think about the whole sort of thing, but it was amazing that there was about a group of 18, 18 of us, all pretty much the same in terms of what we like, what we don't like, very sort of easygoing people. It was quite sort of amazing, really. We all came together at the same time. And we, we just caused havoc, didn't we? <laughs> 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 Honest to God, I mean, some of, the, some of the carnage that went on in those three years at uni. I mean, that's why I always, the class of 20, the CBJ class of 2019, it's just elite. It is just, <laughs> it's just, it just cannot get better than that group. Um, it was, well, not even just our, you know, our year in general. It was, wasn't it, Mace? We were it just, was the pinnacle, yeah. We you can't such, beat it. Without, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. If, I don't want to swear a lot of the podcast, but we were just a bunch of absolute shitheads, weren't we? Really? <laughs> <laughs> to every... but what's it like for you, Jack? Because obviously, you've literally like, only just graduated, as in like the other day. Like, uh, yeah, how was that? Yeah, how, how was that? Um, how was that graduation? Because for me, Brad, I think you can attest to it. Our graduation was unbelievable <laughs> again another this is like everything else is just messy <laughs> i mean I'll, I'll say this right the the person i don't even know what, you, what the official title is the person who was handing out the awards said that we were the loudest bunch of students they'd had at any of the ceremonies and i just thought yeah yeah that, that sums it all up <laughs> well i mean like even at our graduation um they, they had to split us up because of covid so it was like certain schools went with each other. Then the next day they had another ceremony. So, um, for the ceremony that I was at, they said like school of architecture and everyone just went fucking ape shit. And <laughs> literally like we have a small school compared to the other people, but we were clearly the loudest. And like our Dean got up to speak and he was like, yeah, like we're the best school of the university. And everyone was like, yep, that's an architect, like saying they're the best. <laughs> they're hot shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, uh, Mace, I, I always remember the person, because yeah, there, there, was, there was a woman who was sort of reading out the names for everyone. And then there was the guy who was handing out the award. I don't even know, what, what do you call that person who was, uh, was there a Ch Chancellor? Chancellor. The was Chancellor. Oh, the oh, Chancellor. Yeah. He looked like a bloke from the pub. Then they just <laughs> 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 oh, didn't he? Honestly, yeah. my, my mum and dad said that the same. Said, I, I said, I swear to God, that guy looked like they just dragged him from the weather spoons up, up the corner. Is that, the, is that Barry from the Gooseberry Bush? Oh, yeah. Kev. Kev. Honestly, it was, uh, uh, but the whole thing was, uh, yeah, graduation was a great day. And it was also, I mean, uh, I know it's pretty miserable normally in the UK, but in terms of weather, but it was, oh, oh yeah. Baking hot. It was, day, I, I think it actually oh, yeah. was the, the, the hottest day of the whole year. Of yeah, 2019, like, and especially because we were wearing them robes and everything like that. I had that hat, so I looked like bloody Ross Kemp with a massive bald head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it was, it was not fun, and especially because you have the massive suits on on that underneath. Yeah, yep. it, it was just. It, what was it like for you, Hamid? Like, where, where did you have your graduation, and like, did you do anything big, fun after? Or so uh, it was like 85 degrees in Syracuse the day of our graduation. What, what, what's, what, what's that in normal normal numbers? Like you have all these high oh, ones thinking you're all fancy, but what's it like in normal numbers? 
Uh, We're really showing off our intelligence. <laughs> it's <laughs> three about, years at about uni. thirty. <laughs> it's uh, uh, about thirty. Oh, okay. okay, I keep it up. That's, that's warm. Yeah. So, and then, and of course you're wearing your suit and then I don't know if you guys wear caps and gowns, but we have our caps and gowns mm. and then you have all of your like stoles and your cords and like your medals and stuff for all the awards and recognitions that you get. Cause of course Wait. I got a lot. Oh, look um. out. <laughs> Wait, you, got, you got medals. We didn't get any of that. We literally got like a little scroll and a bottle of Peroni. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want my dad to listen to this, but you know, it's uh, some of the stories that we could tell from uh, well, both of us really. Of, uh, How long we got? Oh, <laughs> okay, okay. If if you could pick one memory that your that your dad would not be proud of hearing <laughs> from you guys being at uni together, what would it be? Well, the one oh, I'll go for it. He'll he'll get out of it. There was the one night where I oh I mean it was I mean I'll, I'll just say the word ocean and basically we'll just like <laughs> um, it was, I know ocean. Yeah. <laughs> oh honestly, it was uh, what a place that was really. Well, the thing is, you can't really remember much of the place because you're so pissed by the time you get there that it's just it's just, it's just a blur the whole thing. And so uh, I remember I completely sort of blacked out. It was one of those nights where you blacked out and you wake up the next morning and you go, "Oh my god, how have I got like how how, am I, how have I got home?" And it's awful. It's one of those awful feelings where you're like, "I, I don't remember getting home. It's terrible." And I, it was one of those ones where I, I was still wearing my jeans. I was still wearing the same thing I'd worn that night. You know, tapped both my, my trouser pockets. No phone. No wallet. No keys. It's like, oh god, there we go. And uh, so I was like, right, right, what am I going to do? Right, well, I'll, I'll go down to Ocean because sometimes they have things that are handed in during the night. Rush down to Ocean, nothing there. And I'm like, this is the end. You know, it's, it's pissing down with rain. I'm still wearing the same clothes. <laughs> you know, you can imagine it in a movie, couldn't you? You know, just some soppy piano music would come on and it would just all look dreadful. And, uh, you know, I'm ringing my mum at this point. Mum, uh, well, I'm not ringing my mum. I'm using Mason's phone to ring my mum. <laughs> mum, I've, I've lost everything. It's really bad. Um, I don't know what to do. Cancel the bank account. You know, we'll need to find something with the phone. And anyway, I go off to my bed and I'm, you know, just laying there in a pit of misery. And the next thing I know, uh, our housemate, Luke, had... Uh, had gone outside and gone down the road and he'd sort of gone, that looks like Brad's phone. Oh, right, okay. Picked it up, kept on walking. That looks like Brad's wallet. Oh, right. Kept on going even further. That's Brad's keys. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd just obviously just sort of thrown everything onto the street in a mad rage of some kind. And um, yeah, what a night, what a night. That, that reminds me of a story from when I was at uni where... Um, Again, I had a night like yours where I don't know what happened. I don't know how I got home. And I wake up the next morning and I go downstairs and there's just like on our little kitchen table, there's just like vomit just everywhere. So of course I get mad at my roommates. And I'm like, how do you guys not clean up? Like who does that? Like who vomits and doesn't clean up? Like you guys are pigs. And it goes on this whole long tangent and everyone's like, I don't like, we were all black. So they were like, I don't know if we did it. Like but like whatever. And like, we were all pinning it on each other. And next thing you know, I'm like, you know, like I can't find my wallet or my keys. And all of a sudden one of my roommates goes, hi Mo, it's on the chair at the kitchen table right next to the mess. And I was like, no, I was like, it couldn't be me. It couldn't be me. I'm <laughs> brilliant. You dumped yourself in. <laughs> but when people do associate with us together, there's only one word that springs to mind. And that's simply... Portland. <laughs> just just tell us a little bit about that. Well, the Grand Duchy of Portland, <laughs> the, 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 the independent state of Portlependence, or whatever you like to call it. Um, it. The way I'd like to describe it, it was sort of like imperfect, but perfect at the same time. It was just this standard sort of terrace house that looked, <laughs> looked dreadful from the outside. <laughs> And the inside? <laughs> well, the inside, we made it what it is, but it, it was, 
I d- yeah, it was, I, I don't know, just because it was so imperfect, it just sort of made it perfect at the same time. I mean, my room was the size of a broom cupboard. I mean, I was practically living like Harry Potter for most of that period. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, it was, yeah, I, I, we just had some great memories from that place. It was the... the the lounge area with those two sofas that would just look battered. They'd have been they pulled out of a skip, you know, and just dumped in the Portland. Um, but yeah, those you know, I always remember the Champions League nights we used to watch. Oh, you know, those yeah. games. I mean, um, and also I, I, I don't know why this memory always comes to mind, but it was when we were all watching I'm a Celebrity and we made a pact to watch every night of I'm a Celebrity. <laughs> and for whatever reason, we decided that every night we'd also get a tub of. Um, Tin celebrations, um, which uh, Jack, I'm sure in America, love. do you know what I mean by the celebrations? Jack? I have no idea. I know, Mason, if you, uh, you might have a yeah. better idea. Not yeah, I'm like, you don't know what celebrations are. Well, they don't have those in America. No, what are celebrations? It's basically like typically around Christmas time, you get like a in the UK, you get like a big like tub of chocolates. And yeah. it's just like, and it's like little miniature ones. So it's like little miniature Mars bars, Maltesers, galaxies. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Them kind of things. So, so yeah. And you would eat a whole one of those every <laughs> night. <laughs> every night. And what would happen is, we like the first three nights we'd do it, and then I'd always normally go to our like, the, go to the supermarket. I just sort because because at Christmas they just have piles of them, like just everywhere. And he'd just go, yeah, fuck it, put another one in the trolley. <laughs> and I'd always just sort of come back and hide it behind the telly and just before we watch I'm a Celebrity. We'd, I, I know we'd all be thinking it, but we didn't want to say it. Oh, I just wish we had a ton of celebrations. Just go around the telly, lift it up like it's a Champions League trophy. <laughs> you know? Yes, celebrations. The, the tack of the, the, the stack story of those tubs they, they literally touched the ceiling didn't they one yeah was, uh, and, and the worst part as well is like um the other three lads in our, our house like they smoked so uh, the worst part was was when you think you had a tub of celebrations and you open it up and it was wrappers and an ashtray <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. cheers lad i was wanting to tuck into some bloody caramel galaxy here but instead i've got fag butts no, I mean, it it's a celebration on itself. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a different kind of celebration. <laughs> when you think of me or my roommates, the first thing that comes to mind is Purple House, uh, which is what everyone calls the house that we live in. Um, and that's sort of where like our friend group congregates. Like we have a big backyard. We have a, like a fire pit. Uh, we have a big living room. So our house is kind of like the spot where we all hang out. Um, and just like you said, every night is an occasion. I mean, like it's a Wednesday night and we're like, let's have a bonfire and do s'mores and just party. Like <laughs> last night I, I did a bonfire and we were just like, oh, like crap, like it's already 4.30. Like we might as well wait up for sunset. So then we waited up for sunset and then we're like, crap, we're hungry. We might as well go to the diner. It just opened. So we went to the diner and like, I'm still awake. <laughs> That's amazing. And it's like, a, it's like a random weekday. Like... <laughs> It was, oh, I mean, ours was a Trent Kebab or Chunky Chicken. Chunky uh, Chicken, yeah. <laughs> oh, honestly, I used to love that place. Cheesy garlic bread and a chicken wrap. <laughs> I, I remember when I met Mason at camp, the only thing that he would talk about is when they would get drunk and go to Chunky Chicken. So, of course, like, he's hyping it up. So, I'm like, oh, when I come visit you at Knott's, like, we need to go to Chunky Chicken. And he's like, oh, mate, like, you don't, like, really need to go to Chunky Chicken. Like, it's just a place we go to when we're drunk. And I, like, I, like, idolized it. I'm like, we need to go to Chunky Chicken. Like, as soon as I saw it in person, I was like, I have made it to the Messiah. You know, like, <laughs> it's like, I have made it. And... <laughs> got chunky chicken and i was just in heaven i was hammered and we were sitting oh, in mason's right. sitting in mason's Honestly. apartment just eating chicken and i mason was like how are you and i was like this is fucking great <laughs> it's so good isn't it and hi mate i think on the was that the third episode of our podcast when we were talking about uh spring break and you yeah. know last holiday and everything like that and i think i briefly mentioned about uh, a trip to rural derbyshire in this weird little chalet or shack. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that, we've got to bring it up now. So simply Lambda with the lads. And what it was, was we had a reading week at uni for two weeks. 
And rather than like go abroad, get a flight to like Budapest or go anywhere, us lads were like, you know what? Let's go to the Peak District. <laughs> Let's go to a caravan park in the middle of this forest. <laughs> it's like an hour away from where we are. Paradise. Oh God, that final night. I, to be honest, I've forgotten about that. And um, we were well, doing well. Um, we were doing Centurion, weren't we? Have, have you ever done that, Jack? Centurion. It's no. where, you, where you do hundred shots of of beer or cider, but do for hundred of those shots, but one every minute for hundred. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So you you're sort of drinking the equivalent. It must be about seven pints, eight pints, an hour and a half. <laughs> well, oh. We we call it a power hour. Do you, oh, that's a much better name. Um, <laughs> and um, I just love that we were, I think at the start, we were all like, this won't work. Like, you know, and then <laughs> an hour and a half later, I'm on top of the bloody the kitchen island with me top off, in the, you know, and it's all going off. And Oh, wow. Goodness me. That was a great night. Great week. Yeah. We never, we never were allowed to go back there, were we? No. Uh, no. <laughs> I think they. I think it, we were on the wanted list. I think after that, um, I don't think we were going to uh, be heading <laughs> heading back there anytime soon. Was it because we had we, we like hired out like two chalets? So there's like I think nine of us or something, one or two either side. And um, of course we were all drinking in one of the the chalets. And for Centurion, we literally was like, right, well, there's a table of four chairs in one place. We'll just grab chairs from uh, our chalet and go into yours and everything like that. And we'd all have food together, etc. But we were all so hungover on the last day when we had to leave, we completely forgot. So when they'd done the inventory, they went to like clean one chalet and there was like two chairs, no plates, no cutlery in one. And then another one had like six chairs. <laughs> like just everything. Catch up all over the shower. Like <laughs> everything was doubled in one of the chalets. And the, you know, they must have just thought if they went into that first one with nothing in it, they'd have just thought we'd just nicked everything. And, um, oh, crikey, yeah, that was a great week, but so random. It was so random, but it was great. Well, it was it great. sounds like paradise. Well, yeah, I mean, it was our paradise, let's put it. I'll tell you what, it was so cold that we were putting oh, our yeah. beer outside, weren't we? We didn't even bother to use the fridge. I've seen it. Was and, so cold. Um, it was so uh, cold. It was like February when we went, wasn't it? That's so. right, yeah, it was February, yeah. Yeah, no, it was uh, oh, a great week, though. Great week. The weirdest moment I found from that landlord trip, I think Brad, you're laughing, I think you might remember it. So there was, for context, it was me, Brad, Luke, and our mate Jack Tolson in um, in one of the apartments and all the other lads in the other one. So we were all trying to get to sleep. So laying there, sound asleep, right? And then it must be like quarter past two, half past two in the morning. And I get like a little, little knock at the door. And then I thought, and I looked around, they were like, I'll go get it, mate. She's like, fine. So I went up and got it, opened my door, slightly ajar. Bear in mind, we're all still fairly pissed. And my mate Harry just comes to the door. And I was like, hello, right, mate? I'm like, yeah, mate, what's up? He goes, yeah, um, can I have some milk, please? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, bear in mind, wait. it's three in the morning. Like. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? And then as I went to go turn around, I was like, yeah, to go towards the kitchen. All the lads just fucking bundled and ran into our chalet and just was throwing water everywhere, all over our beds and everything. Me and me and Jack managed to shut our bedroom, uh, lock our bedroom door, I think, just in time. But I don't think you and Luke were so lucky, were you? I think you had, to, <laughs> you had like a little, little puddle in your, on your mattress. It was like, you know, it was almost like a lake. And you had to like, you had to like sleep around the puddle. It was almost like, oh God, sounds horrific. Yeah, I had to end up uh, sleeping on the sofa for the next two days. <laughs> All right, it's your favorite time of the week, guys. We are here for beer of the week. And uh, we're here to share some beers together. Uh, it's a good time to drink some beers while you're stranded at the beach. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Mason, Brad, what are you drinking today? Uh, I'm drinking one of my favorite uh, beverages, and it's uh, called Timothy Taylor's Landlord. It's, okay. uh, it's a classic uh, pale ale, and it's brewed in Yorkshire, and it's, a, it's an award-winning beer and it's a bit of an institution up here in North Yorkshire if you you know if you if when you want to have a nice pint of pale ale you always go for it the Timothy Taylor's landlord and 
it's I you know I call it holy water. It's like they got you know golden nectar <laughs> type of stuff. It's it is. I mean, actually, interesting. But it doesn't taste like water, right? Oh no, it's no, not no, like no, no, it's no. not like American beer. No, right, you know, it's not Budweiser or anything like that. <laughs> Uh, oh, this is proper stuff, this Jack. You know, this is uh, you know, make your hair stand up. You know, it's uh, it's proper stuff. <laughs> Mason, That's what are you it. drinking? Well, Brad, I thought we were all going to go for the same one, so I've bought myself a Doom oh. Bar. Because I, I feel like there's a story behind this one. Yeah, but this like I, I said to you earlier, oh yeah, yeah, beer of the week. What do you fancy going for? Oh, I think I'll go for a Doom Bar. So I was like, right, I'll go to the shop. I'll get myself a Doom Bar. And you drink a Timmy Taylor's. I wish I got a Timmy Taylor's now. I know. Well, it's because of the shop. They did. I was. I said that, and I thought, oh, well, they they always have Doom Bar at the sh- I'm local shop, and they didn't. So I'd have to get a. Uh, but Timmy Taylor's, but a Doom Bar. Oh, that's Mate. a sensational beverage. Yeah. To be fair, though, on this podcast, we've only got the same beer with everyone like twice out of 15, 14 <laughs> episodes. So uh, <laughs> consistency's not our force on that one. But yeah, uh, Doom Bar. Um, this was like uh, my old job um, before I am where I am now. Uh, that was the easily the most popular beer we sold and had it all the time really and yeah we always Brad I remember sinking a few of these in the gooseberry bush after football on Mondays um, mainly because it was two pound in spoons I, say, <laughs> yeah. I think everyone was put off it initially because it was so cheap and we thought can't be that great yeah uh, and then and then we all uh, I think it was one of our good friends Jono put us on yeah. to, put us on to Doom Bar and as soon as we we uh, started to sip away. I think we uh, we had one, and then it became twelve. I think yeah. by the end of the night, it was. Uh, no, it's a great bit from Cornwall. Yeah, Cornwall one. Yeah. yeah, the best part I find about it is that even though it's called Doom Bar, especially the old folks. I don't know if you know this, Brad, but whenever you see like an old bloke go to the bar and try and order it, they go, "What do you want, mate?" They always go, "I'll have a pint of Doom, please." <laughs> Oh, I'll say it in your accent though it's even funnier exactly <laughs> the proper Suffolk accent oh, I, haven't, yeah. I haven't even told you guys what I'm drinking yet oh shit oh shit yeah we're too busy talking about proper British ales Paimo <laughs> <laughs> what have you gone for this week well while we're bragging about British beer and godly beers um, I have chosen uh, a beer from America's oldest brewery so that is a nice yingling. A, a what? Yingling. A yingling. Never heard of that before. It is a wow. beautiful amber lager. Um, and it's from uh, just outside Philadelphia. Uh, and it's America's oldest brewery. Wow. And it's delicious. Very nice. Very yeah. Nice. Without um, further ado, should we crack these ones open? Yes, we shall. And this is going to go real nice with the echo you're talking about, Mason. Oh, yeah. You're not wrong. Go Ready on, get, for that. Get, get, get the SFX in there. Go on. Ooh, that's oh, no. That was that's my favorite sound. Because you just Every... know that good times are coming. Every time. Oh, yeah. Know that happens. Oh, yeah. Cheers. Cheers to the good times that are coming. Absolutely. <laughs> ah, that is lovely. It's beautiful. Right, Brad, you're all uh, Timmy Taylor's though. Um, if you give it a rating out of 10, what would you go for? I think, because I think a beer like this, it's not only just because it tastes good, but the memories that come with a beer like this. I'll have to, um, has anybody got given a 10 yet? Any of their beers? I don't I, think so. Maybe a 9.5. Have, have we had a 10? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I, I think just because if, you know, if someone said you can only drink one alcoholic beverage for the rest of your life, I'd choose this. I'm, I'm going to have wow. to give it a 10. Whoa. That's a big statement. That's yeah. a big statement. We have our first 10 here on Shelter Island. <laughs> what an honor. I mean, to have the Timmy <laughs> ten. Representing Yorkshire, come on. <laughs> if, I, if I can bring one contribution to, to Yorkshire... At least I can do this. All right. Well, that's that is a real honour to say that I can call this uh, a ten out of ten beer on the podcast. Oh, that's oh great. wow, that's great, Mason. So, what would you rate your Doom Bar? Yeah, the old pint of Doom Boy. I reckon I'll give that. A, I'll go eight point five. In it, Brad. It's unbelievable. It is great. It is great. Mm. I could have. Uh, I could easily have a Doom Bar. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. And Hymer, how about your your Ying Yang or whatever it's called? Ying Ling. 
<laughs> Same thing. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it would be it would be even better if I could enjoy it ice cold in my own bedroom right now. <laughs> oh, but why is that? Given, eh? Huh? huh? Why is that? <laughs> given given the unfortunate circumstances, <laughs> um, I would still have to probably give this uh, an eight point two. Given the circumstances, so just imagine that it's usually higher when you're like sitting at a pub and you're getting it like ice cold on draft. It's incredible. Uh, but what, but, what I would say then, I would reverse my statement in terms of this would be a 10 if it's hand-pulled, mm. 100%. Mm. In a bottle, I'll give it a 9.9. <laughs> <laughs> just because of the glass. <laughs> Welcome back to Shelter Island and we're joined this week by my good old friend Bradley Hope and Brad is himself quite the football commentator. He has a voice like butter and something I've never heard before. So Brad, going about your your football commentary and all the things you do, how does that all start for you? So it all started for me when I joined as a volunteer audio description commentator at a local club uh, in Nottinghamshire called Mansfield Town and So basically to say what audio description is, it's a specialist type of commentary designed for people who've got a visual impairment. So it's very, it's in the the title, audio description. You are describing what you see on the pitch to the second. You don't go off on a tangent talking about last week's game or a future tournament. You are describing what you see to as much detail as you can. Um, So I joined as an audio description commentator at Mansfield Town, who play in League Two, the fourth division uh, of English football, and got onto the team and basically started from there and just was really enjoying it. And I, I felt, it, I don't know, I'd always sort of, I'd had a dream of being a, being a commentator. And I'd, I'd always loved listening to radio commentary in particular because I love the art of describing things and bringing it to life. Uh, I was, I started off at Mansfield Town and we, I did a few other games at Nottingham Forest, uh, Leicester, Crawley. um, And then I got the wonderful opportunity to provide the audio description for the UEFA Champions League final in Kiev in 2018. The first few games you said you'd done, like the Mansfield Towns, uh, the Leicesters and stuff. When you were first starting out, what was that like for you to think, hold on a minute, I'm actually commentating on football here and I get to see these games and I'm kind of doing what I love. Yeah, it was strange, really, because, you know, I'd, I'd grown up sort of commentating to myself when playing FIFA or, <laughs> or playing Football Manager or something like that. And I'd always sort of naturally, I even I remember even whilst I was at primary school and there'd be certain days when other year groups would have the opportunity to play on the football pitch. And I'd stand, honestly, this, this makes me sound so sad at the age of seven or eight or whenever I was. And I'd used to stand at the side and just commentate in my head and think about how I would describe a certain situation, how I'd describe a certain goal or a, a goalkeeper save or a tackle or whatever. And then to actually sort of put all those years of dreaming of wanting to be a football commentator um, actually into practice and you're delivering it for someone live. And not only that, you're delivering it for someone who is who doesn't have the ability to see and has, you know, you have, it relies on your description to bring the, the image in their head to life about what's going out, going on on the pitch. And, but yeah, I can't deny those, first, even at Mansfield Town, those, those first couple of games, I was, oh, I was hell nervous. I was, um, you know, it felt like uh, it'd been building up towards this moment. And I, I, I never thought I'd get an opportunity at the age of, uh, when would I have been 19? To, to actually provide a live commentary for a football club, for a football league club, you know, to actually get the opportunity to work for a club to provide a live football commentary. I was a bit sort of, geez, this is actually, this is actually happening, eh? <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you say, um, like, at, like when you were sort of growing up, you would see scenarios and like commentate in your head on things. Uh, or even like me growing up wanting to do architecture, everywhere I would go, I would say, oh, like this can be this sort of building or like I would walk into a house and be like, this is how you can redo it and things like that. So like, it's, it's really interesting to show like how your passions manifest into 
your actual career and how you can actually do something that you love to do. Yeah, so I, I really commend that. Yeah, even now, I, you know, because of the pandemic, I, mean, I feel like I've I've watched so much football. <laughs> I mean, I've been watching almost two games a day at times because of the way this, the season's gone. Um, and the one thing that I, I find funny is someone said to me that you'll start commentating and you'll start to get annoyed at other commentators or you'll start to pick up on other commentators. Big and time, big time. Re- relate to amount of times I must have been at the portal and they go, why is he saying that? <laughs> what is he saying? <laughs> we, have, we have our own group chat, don't we? Where um, Or even at the portal, what we always used to do, Jack, we'd always just like, we, we listen to like the commentary sometimes more than watch the football and just laugh at funny commentary moments and we just say them around the house. So we, we, we'd, be go, we'd be going to make some toast or something. We'd be like, Ronaldo! Oh, that's unbelievable! The one I always remember is that the one for the World Cup, the quarterfinal between France and Argentina. Oh, Mbappé! He's done it again! Done it again. <laughs> and I'd always sort of go, Mason, I don't know, Mason's making toast. Mason! He's done it again! <laughs> the you boy know. wonder! <laughs> I think when you said you were thinking about it as a kid and it's something you always dreamed of, I think if you compare that to, to one of the quotes that we had on one of our previous podcast episodes from our friend Damien, his quote was, dream it into a reality. And I think that is exactly what you've done. It's something that, and it's great to see, you know, it's something as a kid that you kind of knew you wanted to go into. I remember I was with you, you know, the day you found out that you you got that job and, and seeing how happy you were when you got that and seeing you you, you progress from that. It was, it's great to see, mate. But but moving on to a game that which you never would forget, like you said earlier, the UEFA Champions League final. And, you know, it's coming up this weekend. So I think by the time this podcast is out, um, the result probably would have been decided or, or what have you. Uh, I think it's a, an appropriate time to bring this up and bring this episode through. What was that like? Because I think, like you said earlier on, every kid in the UK, I'd arguably say, would dream of going to, I mean, yet alone commentating on a Champions League final. Yeah, I mean, I never thought I'd ever get close to a Champions League final because I never thought my team leads would <laughs> ever get near anything like that. I mean, my mum went to the to the European Cup final in 1975 to watch Leeds against Bayern Munich in Paris and she'd always talk about it being amazing and I was stuck there watching Leeds play fucking Hereford in League One. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, from that point of view, I never thought, I'd, as, a, as a fan, I'd never get anywhere near going to a Champions League final, never mind actually having the opportunity to commentate, you know, and, uh, well, one, being paid to go out and go to, to a Champions League final and not having to pay myself. Um, yeah, it, for me, it was all, everything sort of came aligned so well. I, I thought it was in a city, it was in Kiev in Ukraine, which is a place that obviously I'd heard of, but I never would have imagined, I'd, I'd never wanted to go to Kiev. I never thought that's where I'm going to spend my uh, summer holidays, going to Kiev in Ukraine. Um and also the fact that it was uh, Real Madrid, Liverpool. You know, Real Madrid and Liverpool have got such history in in, in the Champions League, two absolute titans of, of European football. Um, and I thought, wow, what a perfect, perfect place and a perfect final. And I I really love the idea of going miles to 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 get somewhere to to play a game of football that lasts ninety minutes. You know, that you've got all these thousands of people. Uh, coming from Spain and England or wherever, descending on one place out in the far east of, of Europe uh, to watch a game that lasts 90 minutes. I, I really love the, the romance and the magic of all that. Yeah, it was when I got the call to say that I was doing it, I was was pretty, uh, I mean, it's not great for a commentator, but I was pretty speechless. <laughs> I'm not, not going to lie. It was, um, it was, um, it was pretty incredible. It was pretty incredible. Getting there was relatively easy for myself in terms of it was just, it was hard to change. I think on the way there, I went from London to Rome, Rome to um, to Kiev and on the way back Istanbul, back to back to London. But uh, when we got to Kiev and we were sort of in part of it, it was, some of the stories of Liverpool fans getting to Kiev were just astounding. It was incredible. I mean, so the game was on a Saturday, at, okay, kicking off at, uh, nine o'clock at night in Ukraine. And people had their flights like cancelled on the Wednesday before that. And we spoke to one fan who said, 
Oh, so my fly got cancelled on the Wednesday morning. So I just hopped in my car an hour later and decided to drive. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so he drove. And to get to Ukraine, it takes about, I mean, if you didn't stop, it'd probably take about a day, five hours, five, six hours. I think I looked at it the other day, actually. Um, okay, that, that's a lot shorter than I thought. I mean, I, I've driven yeah, but from... Yeah, that's not stopping. So that you just do not stop. I mean, that's I don't fair. know how you... If you if you don't, I mean, I've never tried driving for a day in five hours, but I could imagine I'd be I'd be passing out. So New I'm York gonna, to Miami is about 25, 26 hours. Is it? Yeah, right. Okay, so yes, yeah, so that puts into a bit of context. Yeah. So, and and also he had the had the had the thing that he got to the Ukrainian border, and they wouldn't let his British car into the country, so he had to on the spot hire get a hire car. Ukrainian hire car, leave his car on the Ukrainian border and then just drive to Kiev. Um, and and then he got there and he, uh, his hotel had been cancelled for whatever reason. And he stayed in a, a woman, a random grand, like a grandmother in, in the city of Kiev, this random woman that just invited him into his house. And I just <laughs> thought, my God. I mean, some of, honestly, some of the stories of, Liverpool fans getting to Kiev, but that for me that is the absolute magic of Europe. You know, it's the it's almost the match is one thing, but it's the stories of getting there, experiencing a city with, you know, there was about twenty, you know, nearly twenty thousand Liverpool fans who went over to that, and wow. it is absolutely incredible. I mean, the Liverpool fans were honestly it was amazing. Uh, they they I mean they're notoriously very vocal, very passionate supporter fan base masons are case number one <laughs> and, um, it's it, it was it was absolutely incredible certainly. and it's crazy because uh that was actually the game that i watched with mason when i came to visit him ah, okay over in nottingham so the game itself i remember i mean a little bits are a bit of a blur because i was just it was incredible but um i'll always remember i think I think some people forget that actually Liverpool for that first 20 minutes were all over Real Madrid. They yeah. were absolutely dominating the game. And I've not seen Real Madrid look rattled like that in years. I mean, they, I mean, bear in mind, Madrid had won the, Real Madrid had won the Champions League the previous two years and looked unstoppable. And Liverpool were just all over them like a rash. And, and it was such a shame when Salah got injured because it was, um, That's what it was. It was building up to being such a great, it was a great game in, in the end, but it was, you know, I, I think Liverpool would have won it. I really do if, if Salah hadn't got injured. But also that game, I'll always remember because it, you get, we went from one extreme to the other in terms of the goals. You had that freaky, I mean, from an audio description standpoint, you go from one of the most freakish goals I've ever, you know, I've ever seen where Carrius just, Throws, throws the ball it at Benzema. Benzema. I mean, describing that, people, you know, people listening just thought I was having. You know, people would have thought I'd be having a breakdown, you know, describing <laughs> something like that because you just wouldn't believe it, would you? You just wouldn't believe mm. the keeper has just lost his mind for a split second and just thrown it at Benzema, and it's ricocheted off him and gone in the net. And then you have the Gareth Bale overhead kick, which is for me probably the greatest ever. Final goal. Final goal. Unbelievable. Yeah. I, I, I remember I was there like almost high. I think you probably can remember. I was probably crying. Right. <laughs> almost crying. Not almost yeah. crying. Crying. Yeah. You got me there. Yeah. <laughs> and I just couldn't, but I, I, saw, I remember I saw that bail goal and uh, my other housemate Lewis was with me as well. And I just kind of looked around. I was like, I kind of have to applaud it. Through, through tear filled eyes. That's an unbelievable goal. Like oh, credit where credits do, you know. In terms of Kiev, um, what an incredible city! I, I'd love to go back again, actually, because I, I was only there for about two or three days. So, I, and you, you know, I was working, and there was various commitments I had to do, so I couldn't really explore it as much as I'd like. But um, from what I did see, and it, it was an amazing city, and they had this big fan park in the middle of a. It's called an Independence Square. Uh, in Kiev um, and it's uh, a huge huge square that they've got and they had this fan park and on the day before the game they had this uh, five-a-side tournament um, where lots of legendary players from Real Madrid and Liverpool played and I got to do the audio description for that and that was incredible in the middle of Independence Square in Kiev um, 
and it was amazing. And then the other thing I'll always remember, the food was great. I mean, I was such a stereotypical Brit and I got a chicken Kiev. When in Kiev? Well, yeah, when in Kiev. Uh, garlic and butter, please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, though. Fantastic food and so cheap. I mean, it was so funny. We we had a we had a really lovely three course meal, two or three beers, and we we were going to pay up. And uh, it's called Ukrainian Hiver Hiver, Hiravinia or something, isn't it? Yeah. And it, it got the bill came out. And it said nine hundred, and I was like, oh bloody hell, what does that? <laughs> and it turns out that the currency converter of that is about fifteen quid. And bear in mind, that's between two people. So, you know, seven pounds for a three-course meal and um, <laughs> and uh, and some beers. Like, Bloody hell. And so we thought, oh, let's treat ourselves some coffee. So we got a coffee and then we thought, and then it was so cheap, the equivalent of like 10p, you know, to get a coffee. We're like, oh, I'll keep it pouring. So we were just having cups and cups of coffee because it was so cheap. It was so nice as well. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, it's a it's a great place. I always find Eastern Europe really a really interesting place because I feel like I always sort of step back in time when I go to places. Eastern Europe is always so cheap and the culture is just so amazing because it's kind of like untouched ever since sort of like the Soviet Union broke up. Yeah. You no, know? yeah. so so there's just a lot of like rich history there. Um, well, that's where the name the Independent Square comes from, actually in, right. in, in Kiev because of the dissolve of the, the Soviet Union. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, it is it's so untouched, isn't it? It's you know you feel like you are really immersing yourself in a very interest, you know, very deep-rooted culture. But yeah, it's it's it was an amazing experience and one that I'll uh, I'll certainly I'll certainly treasure treasure for the rest of my life. And it's in it, it's incredible because I I obviously I I had my own experience with that game because I I, I never really grew up watching football. Um, I, I grew up watching American football and basketball and baseball. Um, so it was just, I, of course, like, I don't know the players by name really, or like, I, I, I don't like follow it that closely, but just the fact that I got to experience that game, uh, and see someone as big of a fan as Mason, like in his element, um, where we went to, I don't remember the name of the pub, but we went to some pub and we shared oh, beer towers. Was, yeah. It was called. Do you know where squares was Brad? Yeah, maybe. just up, just up from the market square. So past, just up past the, on the tram tracks near the Burger King. Okay, it was like some yeah, yeah. random because that's probably the only place that was really available because yeah, but it was still packed. Was. Yeah, it was round. Yeah. Well, uh, because it was certainly because there was an English team in it as well. I mean, that always makes certainly here. Obviously, it makes a massive difference. I mean, like this weekend, the Man City, it's Man, Manchester City and Chelsea. I mean, it's. Uh, I think someone said the whole country's going to stand still for ninety minutes, and it really will. <laughs> so it's. Uh, a little prediction from you. Manchester City v Chelsea, another English club's going to win it. Do you think Chelsea's going to add to their, their one trophy or do you think Manchester City's going to win it for the first time? Man City. I, I think it's destiny it. now for Man City. I think it's um, I think it's a perfect time for them to do it. Um, I can't stand Chelsea either, so I, I really want Manchester City to win. We'll ask our we'll ask our resident American then. He probably hasn't got a clue about football. Probably has never even heard these two teams in his life before. You got to okay, choose. Okay, team. okay, okay, okay. I have. I'm I, I'm not <laughs> I'm not that much of a bimbo. <laughs> um, actually, when I um when I studied in London, um, I wasn't too far from Chase uh, from Chelsea Stadium. Um, so like all, all the pubs around us would just be filled like they, they were all Chelsea bars and they were all filled with Chelsea people. So, um, I feel like out of loyalty, I feel like I have to say Chelsea on <laughs> my best educated guess, but <laughs> I, I really couldn't, I couldn't give a prediction more than that. <laughs> what do you think, Mace? Ooh, you put me on the spot. I've got the deciding vote now, haven't I? Um, <laughs> I, I, I hate both clubs, right? I do. <laughs> Being a Liverpool fan, I can't stand them either. But it, it's just something about the thought of City winning it for the first time, and especially because they're kind of our Liverpool's main rivals at the moment. Um, it just it would just grind my gears if they won their first one, and I'd I'd kind of rather bite my tongue and Chelsea win their second one. But I think if it's like on form, Man City will win it. Mm-hmm.
Brad, thanks so much for all your, your football insight, the you know the drunken memories, the uni experiences at the Portland with me. One last thing we always do on our podcast is we always end it with a quote of the week. And this might be kind of putting you on the spot here, but uh, do you have any quotes or life mottos that you can follow or abide by that you'd like to share with us at all? Um, a quote, because <laughs> I'm, I'm a big Leeds United fan as I said a few times, and Leeds United have, uh, genuinely is a massive part of my life, uh, as, as Mason will know. Uh, and we've recently done very, very well over the last couple of years. And we've hired a fantastic manager called Marcelo Bielsa, who's been, uh, been incredible and he's changed our club. And there was a great quote that I'll always remember on the day that we got promoted back in July, which was a really special day. Um, a fantastic writer who I follow a lot said... Um, Every every Leeds manager felt perfect until we met one who was. And I just thought, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So, yeah, I'll end it on that. That's one of my favourite quotes. That's a great little football-related one to, to end uh, with, yeah, Brad. I, I love I that. Leave you know, <laughs> lovely stuff. Yeah, Brad, ever, thanks ever so much for, for joining us today. It's been great catching up with you, first and foremost. Uh, but also amazing to hear about your cool stories. Jack, anything from you? Yeah, uh, Brad, it was lovely to meet you. Um, I, I always love meeting Mason's friends and uh, getting sort of the, the scoop on that and um, get, getting into a little bit of the life of uh, Mason and what goes on in his uh, neck of the woods. So I appreciate that. Um, also, thank you both for sort of dealing with my shittiness today. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I, I hope I wasn't too bad. <laughs> Mason's uh, uh, banged on about Camp America for years, telling you how amazing <laughs> it was. I, I, I'm sure it, it certainly was. And uh, so it's nice to meet someone from, uh, from that side of the pond about the, that experience. So, no, lovely to meet you. And it's um, and great to see you, mate. Um, it's been far too long. And, um, yeah, no, thank you for having me on. Really, really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed it. Uh, thanks again, guys. And we'll see you in the next one. <laughs>